Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And literally, as I started that intro, my computer started to do some sort of an update thing. So hopefully this is all going to hang together. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> just froze up like, whoa, what is going on here? But no, I, I think we're okay for the moment. You know, If I disappear, John, you'll know what happened. I'll be back. You just hang out for a bit. <laughs> okay, no worries. No worries. But uh, anyway, welcome to LOA Today. And we are once again blessed with a guest who is into some stuff that we haven't actually talked about in quite some time here on the show. His name is John Moore, and John is a shamanic practitioner and teacher. And we haven't talked about shamanism really since Tom Wells was a co-host, which goes back about four years ago, something like that, because uh, he used to talk about it fairly extensively. So I, I think we've made reference to it a few times since then, but this is like a good, uh, th- this is like a revisit. So nice. we're, we're, well, it's spring, you know, it's spring, officially spring. Yep, so well, nice, officially. To, nice to, <laughs> nice to revive new life into, <laughs> into the shamanic conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, and tell us, a li- tell us a little bit about how you got involved in shamanism. Yeah. Um, so I spent 25 years working in technology. Um, so I have kind no, of, you and me both. yeah, I have kind of an interesting background and, you know, there's this concept in shamanism of the shamanic crisis, which is usually a health crisis that mm. strikes people in indigenous cultures. It actually marks you as, oh, you know, you've gone through some stuff. You're you're ready to go into training as a shaman. So mm. I went through a health crisis in my early 40s and um, you know, was doing everything I could to take care of that, seeing doctors, naturopaths, um, taking supplements, exercising, uh you know, doing everything I could to take care of my health, my diet. And I was meditating. I've been a meditator my whole life. Um, oh, nice. and I, I should say up front, I've zero, had zero knowledge of shamanism. Like the word, I've heard the word, I had heard the word, didn't know what it was about. And I was sitting in my basement, which is where my meditation space was. I had a finished basement and um, sitting on the floor and meditating. And I heard a voice. It sounded like a male voice. It sounded like it was coming from outside of my head. And it said, you need to learn shamanism. And it was very forceful. It was very um, startling. What, like, what's your first reaction? I don't even know you. What are you talking about? <laughs> my, well, my, you know, my, it was a weird, like, where'd that come from? Mm. And then the other, my next reaction was, I, I live in Maine. I live mm-hmm. in Maine in the Northeast. And I don't live in Peru. I don't live in, you I know, I ask you, by the way, my, my wife's family is from um, northern Maine. Where about in Maine are you? Oh, I'm in Southern Maine. I'm I'm just well, outside of Portland. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, actually, she lived in Portland for a bit and in Augusta, but oh, she's her family's from way up near uh, Fort Fairfield, up in that area, Prescott. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's up well, there. That's way like up. Yeah, that's, five hours from here. Yeah, that's Canadian border up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really there's not you know other than the border, there's not much difference between Canada and the U.S. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, I just had to ask. Oh, no worries. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to connect with a someone who is Mainer adjacent. <laughs> my, my, wife, um, my wife says that you guys are maniacs. Yeah, I I, I do sometimes use that term. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's a term of honor, by the way, for those who aren't familiar with it. It's a term of honor. Yeah, in fact, the um, our our Air National Guard 
unit here are the, you know, or at least were at one point the maniacs, the whatever oh, something really? something unit maniacs spelled M-A-I-N-E-I-A-C-S. So yeah, it's something, it's a term that, yeah, people use. So people from here use that. So, so I was living here, you know, living here in Maine and, you know, this voice and I said, you know, learn shamanism. Like what, what's up with that? It wasn't (laughs) go see a shaman. It wasn't go see, have a shamanic healing. It was, Mm. you have to learn shamanism. And so I, you know, I, I Googled and I found out that Maine actually has a really vibrant, um, active shamanic community. Really? Some really fantastic teachers here. Some um, people who have written extensively about shamanism live up here. Um, I think we're so close to nature and, you know, just in daily life that we, you know, it's, you know, and we're, we also have a, uh, a healthy distrust of authority. So, um, <laughs> we, we, you know, there are a lot of people who practice shamanism up here. There are a lot of people who don't have a shingle out as shamanic healers or teachers who are still practicing shamanism as an individual path. So I did wind up finding my teacher. And um, she's amazing. She's unfortunately retiring from, well, unfortunately for other people, but fortunately for her, for her retiring mm. from teaching this year. Wow. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, she's still active. She's still seeing clients. She's writing. She's doing all kinds of things. Um, but teaching was taking, it, it takes a lot out of you. And um, so I, I, you know, I called her up and I said, um, I think I need to learn shamanism and I have no idea what, you know, what it is or whatever. And she said to me, you know, there's usually this intro class you have to do and you just missed my last one. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's it. She's like, well, you know, if you come talk to me and you come meet with me in my office and, you know, we'll email back and forth and you fill out an application and you do all of this work in advance, (laughs) I may be able to accept you into an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. So I did all of that and I jumped through hoops and she, uh, she took me in, um, into an apprenticeship, which is, uh, in, in this case, a year long training program. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I started out, I had no intention ever of working with anybody else. This is just for my own healing, just for my own sake. Um, and the universe kind of had other plans and uh, as well, not as surprising. The, I mean, you got yeah. a voice that says, you know, you have to go do this. They, they, they had something right. in mind, obviously. Right. Yeah. It's like, this isn't just about you, you mm. know, don't, don't think this is just about you. <laughs> and, um, so I did, try, but... did about seven years, I, I think all told about seven years of training, um, which is a lot. I mean, mm. um, includes, I did two years of teacher training. I did, um, two years of initiatory training, and I did a bunch of specialized work. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't work as a healer. I wouldn't set myself out as a shamanic practitioner before I'd done. There's a bunch of stuff that I felt like I needed to learn before I could work with other people. Um, and it took me a while to get all of that under my belt. And, um, cause stuff comes up when you're, when you're working with somebody else and they come to you and they, you know, um, you know, might have a, uh, you know, a spirit attached to them. And if you don't know how to deal with that, it's, it's not a great situation. So, um, so I got a lot of stuff under my belt and I've been doing this, uh, you know, as a practitioner for a few years, I've been teaching, I taught intro for intro classes for a few years and, um, went through two years of training to be able to teach more advanced 
topics in shamanism. And now I'm sort of kind of developing, uh, developing some of my own classes as well that I hope to launch this year at some point, um, nice. some more specialized topics. So very good. That's my story. <laughs> so now you also have to give us an idea from your perspective. What is shamanism? What is it all about? Yeah. So I, I like to say shamanism is, you know, is kind of three things. So first of all, it's a set of uh, spiritual practices for healing and information that are common across cultures all over the world and have been around um, for at least tens of thousands of years. We can gather from um, cave paintings and rock carvings and even the oldest shamanic headdress um, found was in the UK and it dates from the Holocene, so from wow. 11,000 years ago. Um, so, you know, so there's that. So there, there is the, you know, the spiritual set of practices, the main practices journey. Um, there's also a shamanic worldview, which is animistic. We believe that there's spirits in everything. Um, the spirits surround us and there's spirits in the rocks and the trees, not just the birds and the bees and the people. Um, so, so there's that aspect as well. And the worldview involves this idea that we're interconnected. We're, we're all connected to everything. And this is really common when you see the world tree represented in across cultures, right? The, you know, the, um, ancient, uh, Kabbalah from, from, uh, from the Jewish faith has a, has a, uh, tree of knowledge and the, you know, the Norse had the Yggdrasil, the, tr the world tree. And this is common around the world as well. And it's about this interconnection, um, between, you know, sort of heaven, earth, and man. And the third component is this, um, impulse. And this is, you know, this shamanic archetype that is an impulse to awaken, um, in response to crisis, in response to shamanic crisis. And there's a huge resurgence of shamanism going on right now. Um, tons of, like, you know, uh, tons of people are interested in learning and tons of people are, are seeking out practitioners for healing. And in my experience, this is in part because we've just gone through two years of a pandemic, you know, sure. two plus years of a pandemic. Now that, you know, you know, political divisions and war and all of these things, there's a lot going on that is, um, has upset the world balance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so there's a lot of sh awakening happening. There's a lot of people who are experiencing this impulse to awaken spiritually. And so those three things really make up my sort of constellation of what constitutes shamanism. And, and especially the, uh, what you were describing as the spiritual side, very, similar to many viewpoints that have been ex expressed around this program um, that I've expressed that many people advocate. It's, it, I say that because it seems like in what I will generically call spiritual circles, everybody's converging on the same thing from a wide variety of angles, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Many paths to the same mountaintop. I think that's yeah. a Zen uh, saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and in Huna, which is, you know, sort of a, you know, westernized version of Hawaiian spirituality. Um, you know, there's a saying that not all truths come from the same school. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I, I do think people, I, I do think people converge on the same thing. And when you, when you strip, when you strip everything away, um, ultimately it's all the same thing. Um, you know, when you s strip away ceremony and, and words and 
dogma and any of that stuff. It's all the same thing. And not right. to say that we need to strip away that stuff. I think that, you know, I love ceremony. I love ritual. I love um, learning all the words associated with shamanism and different cultures and how they view things and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But underneath it all, um, you know, we're, we're all the same. We're all, we're all doing the same thing underneath it all. And then you made reference to how you originally got started in part because of the voice, but there was also a crisis you went through and tell us how that resolved. Yeah. So, um, so I, in my early forties, I was, uh, and I had no idea this was even a thing um, to show you how ignorant I was of everything. Um, so I was <laughs> You're not dealing with my friend. I mean, I, you should <laughs> talk to me 10 years ago. Like, oh, my God, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'm going to start a podcast. So, you know. <laughs> but, but ignorance is a great place to start because it's that whole beginner's mind thing from Zen mm-hmm. as well, right? So if mm-hmm. you think you're an expert, you think you don't have a lot to learn. Um, so beginner's mind, you have all kinds of things to learn. And sure. so I was diagnosed with PTSD. And uh, it took a long time for that to happen because I was experiencing not just mental health symptoms, but physical symptoms. I had lost um, 60 pounds in less than two months. Uh, I wasn't sleeping. I was having trouble keeping food down. Um, you know, there's a real it was a real uh, health crisis on yeah. on all levels of my being. So it was obviously a, a spiritual crisis, a mental crisis, an emotional crisis, you know, um, trauma affects your ability to pay attention to things. There's an attentional aspect to it. So a lot of people who we think have ADD actually might be experience, have, you know, be experiencing repercussions from trauma. Mm. And, um, so, you know, I saw a therapist and they're like, well, you know, there's no cure for this thing. I was like, well, that sucks. Why am I doing it? You know, why am I doing it? Thanks so much, right? Yeah, where do I write the check out to? There's no cure. (laughs) Um, You know, how it resolved itself is that I've been living symptom-free for for years, Um, you know, and consequently, the nice thing, you know, not to say that there's, there's a nice thing to experiencing PTSD, but the nice thing about going through it and recovering from it is that in the beginning of my practice, a hundred percent of my clients came to me with trauma for the first couple of years that I was in practice. Um, and you know, I explain it as there's this wound resonance, these people, they can sense this guy's been through some of the same things that I've been through. This guy understands it. This guy gets it. Oh, and this guy who's not any smarter than I am, not any more special than I am is living symptom free. Right. I'm not smarter than anybody else. I don't have, you know, special insight or, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, I've developed intuitively over time, but I wasn't particularly clairvoyant or psychic or, or any had spiritual gifts to start out with. It's all just effort on my part. So, you know, the nice thing is that that the wound becomes the medicine. Right. This this wound and healing the wound. And when you heal yourself, you really do kind of start to heal the world as well. Um, and so when people started coming to me with trauma, I was like, OK, well, I guess this is where, you know, I'm supposed to be working with other <laughs> supposed mm. to be working with other people. Um, people come to me for a variety of reasons now, but for like two years anyway, um, you know, everybody had everybody came to me with symptoms of, of trauma. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and which you'd easily recognize because you went through it. So right. maybe yeah. maybe that's why you kind of got started that way. It, it's 
it's like a law of attraction thing, right? You, the more that you focus on something, the more you get it. Yeah, I mean that's a good, that's a very, it's a very good point. And you know, from the from the recognition perspective, you know, I had a young man come to me as as a client, and I don't give away identifying client client information, but I'll just say he was a young man, and um, you know, I always ask him like, what brought you to what brought you to me? And he said, uh, you know, I just feel dead inside. I don't know what's going on. And so I was like, oh, you know, my trauma bells went off in the back of my head. You know, oh, this is what this is about. And so I was like, so do you ever dissociate? He goes, no, I, you know, I don't dissociate. I was like, well, do you ever feel like the world isn't real or you're not quite in your body? And he's like, oh, yeah, all the time. I was like, <laughs> okay, so that's dissociation. And he goes, well, I don't have any, like, trauma or anything. I'm like, okay. Um <laughs> I love it. I I mean, it shows just how powerful the human mind is. We can literally convince ourselves of anything, which is pretty, it's cool in one sense. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't remember a lot of my life. Like I didn't, you know, until, until all of this came to a head, I, I had no idea a bunch of this stuff went on. And even then I was like, am I just making this up? And then I got confirmation (laughs) from people who were there when, when these things in my life happened that, yeah, this did indeed happen. Uh, And in fact, it was worse than you even think, think it was. I was like, wow, that's, um, you know, the mind is amazing. It is is. really, really amazing. It is trying to protect us, Mm -hmm. um, with our trauma responses. However, um, those are not so adaptive when they are present outside of that, outside of those experiences. So, um, that's where, that's where the work comes in. Mm, Yeah. And the work is uh, important to do. It's also one of those topics that's a little bit, I don't want to say controversial. It makes it sound bigger, a bigger deal than it is. There's disagreement. Let's put it that way. There's, There's pleasant, you know, um, friendly disagreement. On the one hand, there is a camp of people, the larger camp, I'll, I'll generically call it the therapeutic camp. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the camp that says when you have something like this that's been going on for a while, you can't ignore it. You have to go and do something about it, clear it out before you can, you know, get, you have to get the blocks out of the way before you can go on with your life. There's the other camp, which is a much smaller camp that says you don't have to, to clear any of that stuff out. What you really have to do is just keep replacing it with what you like instead and what feels better and what, what heals you. And I'm curious to know, I mean, it's a, it's a minor point in some ways, but what do you think about that one? Um, I think I fall somewhere in the middle as I do with many things. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I, I do think so there, you know, there is a shamanic treatment for, um, for trauma, which is called soul retrieval. And it really is about helping the person make themselves whole again. It's not about clearing out trauma as much as it is reconstituting, um, yourself. And, and shamans have been doing this for thousands of years, but in psychological terms, you know, when, you know, many therapists talk about trauma. They talk about the fracturing of the self. Well, we're using different language, but we're talking about the, the same thing. And so we try to repair that fracture. Um, I thought when I first when I first started uh, treatment for trauma, I thought I got to remember everything or I can't heal from it. And that is absolutely not true. And um, I probably did way more. I really delayed my healing for a really long period of time mm. trying to remember everything that happened mm-hmm. to me. You don't have to remember to heal from it. And there, are, and there are lots of pathways to approach healing. I'm not saying that shamanism is the only path. Um, it is one path, and it works great in combination with other things. 
including doing physical work, because a lot of trauma is stored in the body as well. Um, but it's not, you know, it's interesting because I've talked to, I, I talked to a lot of therapists who are very spiritually minded. Um, and, you know, they, some of them will tell you trauma is a disease of the soul. Um, it is a soul, it is a spiritual thing. Like we've had such a hard time putting our thumb on it. Um, you know, is it in the body? Is it in the mind? Is it, you know, where, where is it located? And, you know, treating the person as a whole, which includes mind, body, soul, spirit, energy system, all of that stuff, um, in my experience is you're, you're kind of firing on all cylinders to use a car metaphor. Um, you're getting the best, you're getting the best of all worlds. Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. So we've kind of got the, the, the lay of the land now. We've, we've kind of laid out the parameters of the thing. So let, let me just go directly to today. Right now, you're in the, in the middle of your life. You came onto the LOA Today podcast and mm -hmm. you're excited to talk. What are you talking about? What are you thinking about? What are you working on these days? Gosh, so many things, <laughs> so many things these days. Um, so I, so I do have a, I do have a podcast of my own and I talk primarily about shamanism, but I do sometimes have other, uh, guests on to talk about other things. Um, I'm in talks to start a, um, a program amongst shamanic practitioners, um, because mm. healers need self care and the healers need oh, to yeah. be healed as well. Yeah. Um, that's something that a lot of people miss and they get burned out over time mm -hmm. from not taking care of themselves. So, um, you know, in talks with another, uh, shamanic practitioner who lives up here to, um, start hosting something monthly or twice a month to, to, um, to do that. But I, I really am, uh, looking, I loved teaching in person. I do teach, a, I do a lot of mentoring one-on-one -on -one over zoom and that sort of thing. And, and that worked out really well during the pandemic. Um, I'm really excited to get back into teaching, uh, teaching in person and looking at ways to do that safely. Um, the pandemic has not left us, so it's still around. Um, and I need to be able to do that safely. I went to, um, I went to a healing circle the other night and, um, I'm going to, going to borrow from her, some of her procedures for helping everybody stay safe who, who, uh, and, and feel safe who, who went to that event as well. So, uh, so yeah, I am, I'm really looking forward to teaching. I'll probably, I'm going to try to schedule a couple of, uh, intro classes coming up, which I, I love teaching, um, intro to shamanism. Um, and, uh, I've got some advanced topics I'm working on as well that nobody else is teaching yet. So I've, nice. um, I have a background in a background in information security. And I also, mm -hmm. um, I also taught martial arts for about 20 years. And yeah, so, I saw that yeah. on your profile. That's, that's an interesting combination. I mean, have you ever had to use the, the jujitsu with, uh, you know, dealing with a, a stray spirit? I, mean, I don't know how you would do that, but I'm just kind of <laughs> curious. Yeah. Um, the jujitsu mindset is about redirection. It's not about direct opposition, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar at all with jujitsu or judo, um, you know, it's different than what we call hard style martial arts, which is like a direct punch to the face. Right, right. Um, but the mindset of jujitsu is really like applies itself to so many things, including working with spirits uh, very frequently. You know, if I'm doing like a space clearing, for example, like somebody has a house that's haunted, um, I'm not going to go in there and exorcise the spirits. I'm going to work with them to try to help them go where they're supposed to be. Um, and we, one of the things I like about shamanism is that we don't, 
we don't treat spirits as either subservient or or enemies. We treat mm. them as clients. You know, really? if it's, it's a stuck spirit, if it's a suffering spirit, even if somebody has what we call a possessing being, which is a, a spirit that's really attached itself to them, um, we treat them like a client because they're 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 suffering. They're not where they're supposed to be. Um, and very frequently, you know, when we run into what we might consider ghosts, I guess, so stuck spirits, um, we think about that existence living for however long and not being able to interact with anybody around you. Um, that's horrible. That's, you know, mm. that's, that's so, movies um, have been made about that. I'm sorry. What was that? Movies have been made about that. Yeah. So like the sixth sense, right. I won't give mm-hmm. away the end of the sixth sense. If anybody right. has missed it in the past, however <laughs> like long 20 years, came yes. out, 20 years ago, <laughs> but, um, you know, but the movie is about these, these ghosts and the kid says, you know, frequently the dead people don't know they're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have experienced that, um, you know, that is, that is an honest, that is an honest thing that happens. And, um, they are, you know, they're, they're suffering because they're stuck and they're sometimes living the same thing over and over again. And they can't interact with the people around them and they desperately want to. So, um, so using a jujitsu mindset, not the combative aspects, cause that wouldn't work against the spirit, but, um, being able to go in and redirect and to uh, have a sense of energy. And one of the things that jujitsu really teaches you is sensing energy, even though it may be physical energy, but being able to determine what your opponent's about to do before they do it by, mm-hmm. by sensing their energy. And that helps, uh, that helps a whole lot in any kind of spiritual work. Hmm, very good. And since we're kind of talking about the paranormal, which is, um, uh something that's included in your profile, but it's something that really wasn't part of the original um, discussion anyway, at least from the way I was thinking about it. Let's, let's explore that a little bit. Let's let's talk about first, let's define the term because I think it means a little bit, something a little bit different for every person. And let's just talk about some of your experiences that you've had, because I'm sure they'll be fascinating. Yeah. um, I've got a real funny one. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, uh, so paranormal, I mean, it's hard. It's a little bit hard for me to define because every day, um, Shamans always work with um, spirits, so we always work uh, with helping with helping spirits. Um, and so I encounter spirits every day in my work, and so that isn't necessarily paranormal for me. Um, but what what sort of strikes me is when there are effects in physical reality that are that I can experience that other people can experience that are really really unusual, and then it is mm. hard. It can be really hard for um, sort of deceased people to affect material reality. It can happen, but it requires a great deal of energy. And um, so I had an experience. I was in training uh, years and years ago, and um, I, I, you know, I started out started out my training, and I had a little. Um, I had a little bear totem that I brought with me to place on the altar uh, in the training circle that I was in. And, um, you know, when I left, I couldn't find it. It, it kind of disappeared. And so I got home and I emailed everybody who was in the class and I said, uh, oh, did anybody see this little, you know, bear totem? It, you know, it's from uh, a tribe in the West Coast of uh, the U.S. Um, and it, you know, it's quite... Uh, you know, it's quite a dear thing for me to own and, uh, I, I can't find it. And people are like, no, I didn't see it. And somebody went back and looked for me. And then I drove back with a flashlight and mm. looked in the parking lot and couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And then, um, 
uh, a week or so later, I went into a car that I hadn't been in in the intervening time, and there was uh, something wrapped up on the floor of the driver's side of the car um, in, in a paper that I'd never seen before with printing on it, and I unwrapped it, and there was my bear totem. Um, so how it got there, I don't know, but, you know, my first thought wasn't, this is a spiritual occurrence. This is something, you know, because stuff doesn't just disappear and reappear every day. That's paranormal to me if that actually happened. Well, there, there's some physicists who might say different, but I understand. Sure. Yeah. There's, yeah. you know, quantum tunneling happens right. all the time with electrons. So yeah, exactly. we're, every, theory. we're constantly teleporting. We just not, not usually that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, then there was, you know, so I, you know, at the time I was, you know, working on my, working on my laptop and my laptop disappeared and it was really weird because I worked, I worked on it. So it wasn't, you know, when I looked all over the house and I was the only one in, I was the only one in the house. My wife at the time was away and my kids were in school. Um, and I, I searched high and low everywhere and I went up to, um, I went up to take a shower and I remember on my way into the shower, there was a, a table and I had put my hand on the table and, you know, looked down at it and went and took a shower. And when I came out, my laptop was on the table where I had placed my hand. Ooh. So this happened over and over again, stuff like this. My daughter uh, took off her shoes in, in the car on our way to a restaurant. When we got to the restaurant, the shoes were gone. We tore the car apart. The window hadn't been open. The door hadn't been open. <laughs> the shoes never found the shoes. Never. Never found them. Okay. Never found them ever. They did not reappear. Um, so, and so some, so, some rock spirit somewhere is wearing these, uh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, they're cute. They were shoes. pink, you know, yeah. she was about, I don't know how old she was about eight. So they're small. So maybe, you know, maybe a, a little elf or something. <laughs> um, so I was going in to go do some training later, you know, after all this was happening, I was finally going, okay, there's, you know, and them and, you know, lots of paranormal activity was around my family at that time. It was like all coming to a head. My wife was seeing, uh, beings in the house while she was sleeping. My kids were waking up to noises, like all kinds of stuff. It's like, all right, I think something's going on here. <laughs> yeah. So I went to a class. I was taking a class in uh, depossession, which we don't exercise spirits. We deep, we depossess. We work with them as clients. And so I was taking this class and I went to the teacher and I said, uh, you know, all this stuff's happening. My stuff is disappearing and reappearing and things are moving. And the radio in my car changed the station on its own on my way over here. And, you know, electronics are failing in weird ways and all kinds of stuff. She's like, I don't think that's, you know, all that stuff's probably happening, but I don't think it's what you think it is because, you know, for that to happen spiritually, like that requires so much energy. I don't know where that would come from. So it's probably like your kids doing stuff or, you know, whatever. So I said, okay, <laughs> that's you <interesting>. know, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, that's fine. I, I, I don't know if I believe that, but um, you know, I'm just telling you my experience. So we were, we were in class and we were sitting in this really tight circle watching the teacher demonstrate something. And so all of my stuff was 10 feet behind me. And, you know, when you train in shamanism, you have a lot of stuff. You've got a drum and a rattle and all kinds of stuff. My rattle on its own starts shaking itself. Right? <laughs> so everybody, 20 people in the class are like looking at this rattle shaking itself. The woman sitting next to me looks at me and says, what the bleep is that? Right. Actually, I go, yeah, it's my rattle. You know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, um, so after the class, the teacher came back and goes, okay, that's happening. 
what's <laughs> going on. It's the really... teacher now believes, hooray! <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, well, some confer. I didn't really need it, but uh, some confirmation, some confirmation there. So, over the years, stuff like that, you know, strange stuff appearing, disappearing, things going places. Um, I've gotten real used to it. Uh, so, um, it's not as paranormal, but I would say it, it does surprise me when physical things happen like that. Yeah. That can well, be pretty surprising. I, I think we have this, uh, this, I don't know if it's a individual, I don't think it's individual. I think it's cultural or societal or a species belief. I'm not sure exactly where it is in there. Somewhere in that range, there's a belief that if it happens physically, that's important. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm to the point now where I'm really wondering if that's true, but I'm, <laughs> but I still I I can tell I subscribe to it. I I still if something physical happens, I'm like anybody else. Oh whoa, what was that? Right, that's real. You can't deny it. I didn't make this up. Yeah, there's right. you know there's physical proof, uh, which is you know the interesting thing about shamanism is that we look at we travel in spiritual realms that are frequently overlaid with physical reality. Mm-hmm. So when we journey, which is, you know, really entering an altered state of consciousness and doing the work that we do, um, the world's crowded. It's way more crowded than we think it is. There are spirits everywhere. It's like Grand Central Station, even where I live out in the woods of Maine. Um, you know, it's, you know, there are all kinds of beings around and you know, when I love teaching people the first time we do this, it's called the um, middle world journey. When you journey into the spiritual overlay of physical reality, I'm like, you're going to run into some folks here and it's okay. Just, you know, give them some precautions to take so they don't pick up hitchhikers. And um, they're like, there were people everywhere, you know, people, you know, we non-human people, but, um, and it's not just ghosts. There's, you know, all of these, every culture in the world has little people. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed that, right? Yes. In Hawaii, they have the Menahune. In um, in uh, Ireland, they have leprechauns. In Scandinavia, they have elves and trolls. And um, uh, in Western Africa, they have contomble. And there's there's every culture has little people, these little mm-hmm. spiritual beings that have you know superhuman abilities that sometimes manifest to people. Sometimes they're tricksters. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're helpers. Um, they're, you know, they're everywhere. Just different cultures have different names for them. Also, as you were describing that little scenario, uh, as you were going through that, it occurs to me, the word shaman, there, there are lots of different kinds of shaman around the world and African shaman are known as being a little different from others. If you know what I mean? Um, for instance, uh, the idea of, of a shaman cursing somebody that, that, that's like right out of African, uh, culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm curious to know, I, I don't even know what the question is. How do you, how do you <laughs> reconcile that with what you're talking about? I guess that's the best way to ask it. Um, so, so because shamanism is cross-cultural, it exists in, in many, many different cultures, more cultures than it doesn't. Um, there's also, there's always cultural overlay with that, right? So, um, a shaman in Peru might do something different than a shaman in uh, Siberia. And the mm-hmm. word shaman comes from Siberia, so the word's not even going to be the same. Um, we, just, <laughs> we just borrowed it into English in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have another word. So we use shaman for, for you know, 
quote unquote medicine man, but it, it's a little bit different. Um, so yeah, so cursing is really big in Africa and, um, uh, shamans have spiritual battles they back and forth in, in Africa between each other to prove who's the better shaman or to steal business from the other one or whatever, whatever reason. Um, I think it's a bad idea. Like who wants to get into any kind of war with anybody spiritual or otherwise? Um, it's not to say, so, you know, there's this idea that is a very modern Western idea that um, curses come back to you three times over, mm. right? So when you do harmful cursing or magic or energy towards somebody that it comes, it comes back three times over. Well, that's a really new belief. And that's a really, uh, it's, it's dogmatic in some systems of belief that that's going to mm. occur. I do think that there's karma, but I think it's more instantaneous than that. So like if I start a magical war, with somebody, um, we're both going to suffer, <laughs> you know, we're mm. both already going to suffer. And if I'm, if I'm in the position where I want to do that, I'm already suffering because I'm already not happy. So karma to me is pretty instantaneous. Um, so I guess I reconcile that by just by saying like, it is, it is a norm. And if you look at a lot of, um, sort of spiritual forms of spirituality that have come out of Africa. So, um, you know, and been blended with other cultures. So um, hoodoo and voodoo come to mind, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of cursing there. Um, not cursing language-wise, but cursing, right, right. Other, cursing other people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I talked to a hoodoo practitioner one time who was telling me a story about um, a woman who tried to curse somebody to death. And it didn't happen, and she didn't, and she wondered why. And later, that person wound up saving a child from a fire or something like that, right? There's, mm. There was a reason um, why that death curse didn't work, um, or something. But, but you know, um, yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to harm anybody. How unhappy would I have to be to want to kill or harm somebody else? Mm. Um, you know, so I'm already in a state of suffering. And then I'm just going to increase that. And then if I get into a war with somebody who can do stuff back to me, um, that's not where I want to be either. So, yeah, the, the, the John Lennon title, Instant Karma is going to get you, just came to mind as you were saying yeah. what you were saying there. Yeah. And, and I guess it really is that quick, really, which is perhaps a surprise uh -huh. in some ways to some people. Certainly is to me on some level. On another level, it's not a surprise at all. Um, because I've always believed that just because I don't always manifest exactly what it is that I want immediately when I want it doesn't mean that it's not possible to do. And, I've, and there sure. are times when I haven't been able to, you know, I think everybody's experienced that. One thing I am curious about though, and this, this is a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart because I've, I've engaged in discussion and debate with a lot of people, not so much on the show, but off the show actually on mm -hmm. this topic and that, well, on the show too, to an extent, um, and that's the idea of can you actually, well, there's a lot of ways to say it. Can you manifest for somebody else? Can you curse somebody else? Can, can you actually impose your will on somebody else? And, and there's like a range of beliefs about that one. I mean, we were talking earlier about how all that's kind of dovetailing from a variety of different angles and ideas, but there are also some variations. And this is one of them. There are some people who strongly believe you can basically hurt somebody else spiritually. And there are other people who say, no, you can't. I mean, one of my co-hosts has actually said he experienced a shaman who tried to curse him 
and and the way he ended up breaking it first he had to deal with the fact that that was what was happening and then once he realized what was happening he basically asked for jesus's help and that broke the curse you know so sure. it was it was just it, it was like both on the one hand the other person was harming him on the other hand he didn't get away with it so i'm curious to know what your view is on this how, did, how does this actually play out in your mind um yeah so I, cursing is a cursing is a real thing and there are many different kinds and um, you know, I define cursing as any sort of, um, sp- spiritual action that's meant to harm somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really broad generic term. Um, and one form of cursing that I can, I can talk about from experience and, um, very dangerous can cause physical harm to people and exists in many, many different cultures is the evil eye. And we think about like, oh, giving somebody the stink eye or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that's the evil eye. The evil eye is something different. The evil eye is, um, it seems to be an inborn ability in some people, and some people do it without knowing they can do it. Hmm. And it's fueled by really powerful negative emotions like anger or jealousy or hatred. Mm-hmm. And with the gaze, they can actually burn a hole in your energy system. And that can make you sick. It can make you depressed. It can make you more, you know, it can, inf- like... Um, if you can conceive of a luck as an energy, and it is conceived as an, an energy in many spiritual systems, um, it can affect your luck so that um, mishaps happen to you more frequently, or you lose your job, or um, your house burns down, and all kinds of stuff, and you don't know why. But all this calamity is happening to you. Um, uh, and then some people can actually work to develop that skill. Um, but yeah, you can, you can, they're, you know, they're fairly easy ways to fend it off if you know what you have to know what's happening to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, people can cause harm to you spiritually. I mean, the, the, you know, just like people can cause harm to you physically, people can impose, you know, try to impose their will on you physically. You can resist. You can, you know, if somebody, um, points a gun at you and asks for your wallet, Maybe you'll give it to them. Maybe you'll run away. Maybe you'll call the police and they'll get arrested. You know, so um, the spiritual world's not much different than that, other than it's, you know, there's there's less direct physical action. But um, there, you know, cursing goes back forever. Um, you know, we find curse tablets in ancient Rome and Greece. They used to carve um, these horrible curses into lead tablets and throw them into wells. I, you know, probably poisoning their own wells, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in wells and chasms and stuff. And they, you know, when they do digs, they'll find hundreds of these things stacked together and they'll like be naming people, you know, so-and-so may all your hair fall out and you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, there's a long history of cursing and I have to think, um, you know, I, you know, I've experienced it. And so it's very real to me, but if it wasn't, real if it wasn't if something wasn't happening i don't think people would keep doing it right like if they they couldn't get an effect out of it i don't think it would have been such a thing for such a long period of time and um there are there were um spiritual people throughout um europe especially who specialized in breaking curses so um you might have heard of cunning folk that comes from the the Mm -hmm. british isles right cunning folk were specialists in they were might be healers but they're also specialized in in sort of breaking what they considered witchcraft back then which was cursing and in uh you know the same thing um in scandinavia in the 
there's lots of terms for it in Scandinavia. The one I'm thinking of is um, uh, sim- similar to cunning cunning man or cunning woman is clock guba, which means um, wise old man, and or clock guma, which is wise old woman. But the the connotation is the same. It's somebody you go to when you've been cursed and and mm-hmm. break those. But that exists all over um, all over the world as well. So if it weren't if it weren't a thing, I don't think it would continue to exist. But I've seen it. I've experienced it firsthand. I've, um, you know, a lot my work that I'm doing now is, uh, you know, the writing that I'm doing now and the, the classes that I'm working on now are, are actually around um, spiritual self-protection. And uh, given my background in martial arts, given my background in information security and my background in shamanism, stuff sort of coalesced around that. I've been doing um, a tremendous amount of research as well. Uh, so I'm going to be really curious to know what your answer is to my next question, because this is one I, I mentioned this is a subject that, that is, is important to me. And the next question kind of zeroes in on why I think it's important. Um, I'm wondering what you think about this. Do you believe that if person A or shaman A is going to curse person B, that person B has to be at a relatively similar vibrational level, like, you know, like you were saying, the person who's doing the cursing is going to be pretty angry. So if somebody is at a really high, happy level, it's not going to work so well, but if he's at a lower level, it's going to work better. Um, I, I don't think has to is the word that I would use to describe that, but I think it, it helps, helps hurts. Um, uh, you know, if somebody is already down, so if you think about um, when you're tired, right? Um, when you're really tired, you're more likely to get sick because your defenses are down. Mm-hmm. So if you are in, you know, and when, when you say vibrational state to me, I think of emotion, right? I think of mm-hmm. like, right. that's the easiest thing I can, I can, um, you know, relate to vibrational state is if you're in a, you know, a painful, low, depressed, emotional state, um, you're more likely to get sick. You're also more susceptible to um, the energy of uh, the energy of spiritual attack because um, you know having w- when you're when you're up and you have a lot of energy it does act as a shield it acts as a form of protection you have a spiritual immune system so to speak that is that you can keep up through keeping your emotional energy at a at a, at a good level it's not to say it, it can be hard. Um, for people to be happy all the time. Um, I'm not saying that has to happen. And right. for people who are going through depression, it can be impossible, um, you know, while they're, while they're in the depths of depression. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a, there's a resonance that can be tapped into there that, um, you know, when your energy level is higher, when your vibration is higher to use a level analogy, um, <laughs> stuff tends to bounce off you more. You tend to be more, you more protected. Your um, what's, what's going on on your energy body level is that the, your, your energy pathways, your, the circuits are, are cleared of gunk and are working correctly. So there's not much for a curse to cling to or hit or whatever. So a big part of um, what I teach from a defense, self-defense perspective is not breaking or deflecting curses. I call it spiritual hygiene. And that's just taking care of yourself at a mm. spiritual level so you don't become susceptible to those things. That makes sense to me. 
because that's that's really the the view I've taken that the way I often express it. You may disagree with this, and that's okay. The way I've expressed it is, you, you really can't control somebody else in any way spiritually without their permission, for lack of a better term, without their cooperation in some form. And cooperation can be taking the form of just being in a similar vibrational space. Yeah. It could be be willing to be susceptible in some way. I mean, there, there has to be some sort of a of a connection because like you pointed out we're yeah. all connected there has to yeah. be some sort of connection going on there and it has to be sympathetic in some way right right so if you look at a lot of um i, I don't just dis- i don't disagree with you i think um where it becomes tricky sometimes for people to understand is that this can be very unconscious that connection can be um not something you're sure. necessarily aware of up front until you are <laughs> until mm-hmm. until you're very aware of it um, but a lot of the ways people curse, um, you know, in tr- traditional ways involve getting, you know, talking about sympathetic, um, spiritual action, sympathetic magic, getting a piece of clothing that somebody wore so you can get, um, hold of something that contains their vibration or getting a clipping of their hair or their nails or, um, you know, something like that so that you can, so the practitioner can attune to their, can attune to their vibration and there's sort of a channel there for um, for the curse to, to you know the curse to, to follow um, like a homing beacon I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and another you know another way and this actually you know this happened to me um, a practitioner who was attempting to curse me through um, through garbage into my yard and I was like what's going on here um, and I talked to two different uh, readers. I was like, I think somebody's cursed at me. And the, the first one's like, yeah. And it was because they, th- they threw something in your yard. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. And the second person I talked to confirmed, um, that was indeed what was going on, which is, I thought that was what was happening, but, um, but it was easy enough to protect from. It was easy mm-hmm. enough because I, I work on spiritual hygiene all the time. And so I, my, if my vibration was particularly low, um, it would have been much harder and, you know, would have had a bigger impact on, on my life. And that's <laughs> you, what easy to shrug off. Well, you described the, the, the garbage going into your lawn. My initial reaction was, well, he was pissed off. He couldn't pull it off. So he th- decided he lit it on your lawn instead was the best he could do. Yeah. I think it was actually the, I, I think that was part of the cursing. I think that was intentional. Um, oh, really? that's a, a common, a common hoodoo, um, cursing technique is to throw something in somebody's pathway. Um, so they step on it. So there's like uh, hot foot dust and goofer dust. If you ever heard of this stuff. Um, so there these, yeah. So they're like these powders and potions that they'll scatter across somebody's path or throw, throw onto um, somebody's property to, to um, kind of, I guess, infect them with bad spiritual energy for lack of a better term. Um, that, that's one of the interesting things about, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about this. Don't get me wrong. I, I, like I said, I haven't talked about this in five years, you know, so it's not like this is an everyday uh, topic around here. Uh, but it is kind of that fascinating. And, and one of the reasons it's fascinating to me is that even in this very spiritual practice, and we're talking right now in low vibration spiritual practice where people are cursing and so forth, even in that range, it's amazing how often people want to affect things spiritually by affecting things physically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I can't seem to just fling my spirituality at them. So I'm going to do a physical thing in order to make it happen, which is once again, it's, it's doing the same thing. We all kind of mistakenly do. We try to accomplish something spiritual by doing something outside. 
Right, right. Well, we live, I mean, we live in the physical, our consciousness most of the time is in, in this physical, you know, yeah, outward sure. physical reality. So it's so, understandable. Yeah, un, you know, unless you're in a shamanic trance all the time, um, which I am not. <laughs> I'm not in, I couldn't, I couldn't maintain it for that long. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, uh, you know, you, you can do everything on us, on the spiritual on the spiritual plane, you absolutely can do all of this stuff. Um, but there's a long tradition of physical components to these things. And, and I just said sympathetic magic or sympathetic spirituality, where I take something that looks something else like a voodoo doll or mm. also called a poppet. Um, or I take a piece of somebody's hair or I throw stuff into their yard or all these things. So yeah, you're right. There are people who are trying to do something, uh, something physically mm-hmm. uh, to manifest something spiritual. But yeah, I mean, it's not, um, not a hundred percent necessary. I think it, it gives us something to sometimes lean on maybe a little bit. Yeah. Well, the crutch is, is the word that came to my mind. It's, it's a yeah. crutch. It's like, I, I don't feel confident in doing it spiritually. So I'm going to do the physical thing because that makes me feel like I'm doing it spiritually. Yeah. Although there is, I mean, speaking of manifestation and doing something physically, um, I have a student recently that I, I had her do an exercise and I was talking about, so for me, one of the ways I conceive of manifestation on the spiritual level is doing spiritual activities to affect the probabilities of things. So mm-hmm. everything, we exist in this field of quantum probability. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I want to win the lottery, for example, I've got to affect a tremendous amount of probability because the odds are, you know, 300 yeah. million to one. Um, but, you know, because you cover the law of attraction, you know, there, there, you know, there are ways, there are ways this works and there are ways that make it harder. Mm-hmm. And so I had her do a shamanic journey to what we call the spirit of chaos. So we conceive of everything as a spirit and like chaos is all this probability swirling around and to get a physical action she could do that was random, easy to perform, but would increase the likelihood of whatever it was she was trying to manifest on the physical plane. Um, and it, it's interesting what comes up when people do this journey when people do this, uh, work and it, it is, it's, um, you know, it's more an exercise than anything else. It's more like, I want you to do this and see what happens and mm-hmm. get this information from this uh, source. And also realize that chaos and order are really two sides of the same coin, like yin and yang. Like we live in a, in a chaotic world, but there is also order overlaid with that. So um, I haven't heard back from her yet, but I'm, I will be curious to hear uh, yeah. what, happens, what happens when she, she carries through with this this action that's unrelated to the thing she wants to manifest. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're running out of time, and, and it, it's kind of sad because, I mean, one of the things I wanted to explore, we won't have time to explore. You, you mentioned how um, shamanism believes that uh, spirits inhabit everything, and I, I've been mentioning a few times lately here on the podcast that my view of, of the universe has shifted a lot since I started doing the podcast mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And it has shifted to the degree that I used to believe – like you, I was very left brain. I was in IT, you were in IS, so very closely related. Um, I, I believe that the universe was basically dead. It was basically just a bunch of stars and dust and so forth. And now my view has completely shifted. And I, I, I now believe that everything has energy in it. Everything, mm-hmm. I mean, even even just blank outer space has energy in it. It's like energy is in everything. 
And it, it's a, it's a very dramatic shift. Yeah. Like, and I can just see this being like this huge conversation that could take another hour, but we don't have time for it. But I'll give you, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a minute. You can do something in a minute. I'll, I'll say this. There is a recent theory that dark matter, which makes up most of the universe, but we can't observe except inferentially. Right. Um, there is a theory that it's not matter at all, but it's information. Yeah. And I, heard um, that. I, I read, I read something on that. One of the science magazines had that. Yeah. It's really new. It's yeah. a really new theory and who knows what will pan out. But, um, to me, everything is, you know, really when I say everything is a spirit, I'm talking about like, we're, we are, we are inseparable from consciousness. There's consciousness everywhere in everything, even in the vacuum of space, the, the fabric of space, the very fabric of space time is contains consciousness. Um, and in fact, we don't experience anything outside of our consciousness because we can't. Everything we experience is in in the world that our consciousness constructs for us. So to me, that is the that is the real miracle that I, you know, I can sit here and have a conversation with you and these little vibrations in the air that hit my eardrums get turned into the subjective experience of speech. Right. Where I can listen to a symphony and, and, you know, that's pre-recorded and have the experience of listening to a symphony. Um, even though I have no direct experience of that, it's just arising in my consciousness. And yeah. to me, that is amazing. Like that is the, that is it the is. miracle of the universe. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. Well, I mean, I wish we could go on for another hour. I understand now why some people do two-hour podcasts. I get it. I, <laughs> I don't think I could do it every day, but I, I still appreciate it. But before we finish off for the day, I do need to give uh, the audience an opportunity to reach out to you in case they're interested. So tell people, how do they find out more about John Moore and what he does? Absolutely. So um, my website has links to everything that I have, my blog, my podcast. I even have an app now because I'm an, I, you know, come from a IT background. Um, and that's mainshaman.com. And it's main, the state, M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. We, we have the app in common, except mine's broken. I'm in the middle of trying to oh. fix it right now. Yeah. But yeah, um, <laughs> well, when you have when you have that eye of the IT or IS background, you kind of have to do it after a while, right? It's like, right. Fun. Yeah, yeah, otherwise you get kicked out of the club, right? They won't right. let you in anymore. <laughs> oh, but this has been great. It's been really, really fun. And I loved hearing all the things you had to tell us about. I loved hearing about um, your, I like your view of shamanism. I, I mean, I've heard a number of different uh, versions over the years. I like yours a lot. It's very much in Thanks. alignment with my own spiritual beliefs. I never thought of myself as being shamanistic. You're actually convincing me maybe I am. So, I you know. We all are somewhere. <laughs> it's, this in is true. it's in our family tree somewhere. <laughs> Meanwhile, poor Einstein is trying to figure out why everything is going spooky on him. But uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great word, actually. I mean, he was defining, describing a very specific uh, physical event, but nevertheless, yeah. it kind of covers what we're talking about here. And, and it was a good word, spooky. It's a good way and to it describe it. It covers that connection to everything. We are entangled. Yeah. We everything in the universe started out as a particle smaller than an atom 14 billion years ago. So we are entangled with everything, even on a physical level. And look at us now. And look at us now. <laughs> now we have toasters. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we just answered the question that Douglas Adams posed, right? What is the answer to life and use universe and everything? It's to have toasters. All to right. Have toasters. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> 14 billion years, and now we have toasters. Well, it's nice to know that evolution had a purpose, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been great, John. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.